When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. It'll be a great challenge for sure, but to say it's the greatest challenge would, would almost to be disrespect some of the some of the great um, passing games that we've played because we've played some outstanding passing teams this year. We played the Saints. Um, and, and everything that Drew Brees had, had to bring. We played um, Tampa Bay and, and early on in the season with their 2,000-yard receivers and everything that they brought. Um, we played the Rams and, and Sean and his system um, and how they get things done. We played A-Rod uh, twice. Yep, and none of those Richard Sherman are anywhere close to facing off with Patrick Mahomes. I uh, want to start the show here with a couple of different ideas. And first is that we should just talk about Patrick Mahomes more. That it's like, I feel like we just decided last year, like, oh, yeah, he's really great. And then we, you know, like, uh, okay. And, and we haven't done enough marveling at Patrick Mahomes. And maybe we will after Sunday's game. So I want to start with that. And also, there's something that is being overlooked when we discuss. The Super Bowl teams and something that they do really, really well and positions of strength that they have that the Vikings will need going forward, there's something we don't really look at. Like we've talked about the offensive line. We talk about the quarterbacks. Can Kirk be Jimmy G? Because obviously he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. What does it tell us that the running backs for these teams are undrafted and they don't pay any money for them uh, as it pertains to keeping Delvin Cook? I mean, all those things I think we touch on. But I want to begin with the secondary and with Richard Sherman. Because the San Francisco 49ers took a bit of a risk, and their price was not bad for him. It was a decent contract to sign. He needed to be an all-pro in order to get paid as much as he got paid this year. Turns out, because he was an all-pro. But he was coming off of an Achilles injury when the San Francisco 49ers signed Richard Sherman. And it was really questionable whether he would ever get back to what he was with the Seattle Seahawks, and when a guy is 30 years old, as we've seen you know, 28, 29, 30 with bigger cornerbacks, what you end up having oftentimes is a drop-off when they get to their 30s, and Richard Sherman did not have that at all. In fact, he ranked as the number one corner in the NFL this year, Richard Sherman. In terms of quarterback rating allowed, when opposing quarterbacks threw the ball near Richard Sherman, they had a 46 quarterback rating. That is how good Richard Sherman was this year, and he was number one rated in their coverage grades and in Pro Football Focus's overall grades. 
And I was thinking about Sherman and what he's done to completely change that defense that we look a lot at their defensive line and where they drafted and talk about, man, they get after the passer and they're always putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Look what they did to Kirk Cousins. And, of course, the 49ers deserve a lot of credit for that. They were one of the top teams, fifth in the NFL in sacks, which is a huge deal. And they were number one in terms of yards lost to sacks. So it's not like I would I would take away from how important it was for the 49ers to get pressure. And I think we know that the Vikings are going to be able to continue to do this. Whether Everson Griffin signs or not, you're still going to have Daniil Hunter, one of the best players in the entire NFL. And they have developed a Fadi Adenabo. I don't know whether Steven Weatherly is going to stay. He's a free agent. But you can find other players who come off the edge and have a pretty good idea that Andre Patterson and Mike Zimmer are going to be able to develop them and that the you know the, the blitzes and things like that that Zimmer throws at opposing quarterbacks and especially with the noise advantage of U.S. Bank Stadium, you can be pretty confident that the Vikings will get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. But in terms of the secondary, both of these teams made huge free agent moves. And they also have this in common with the New England Patriots last year as well. So the 49ers two years ago go get Richard Sherman. He is a little bit slowed in his first year back, but his second year back, he's absolutely phenomenal. And then the Kansas City Chiefs, they go out and they get Tyron Matthew, who has been a complete game changer for them. Uh, they're an entirely different defense. Last year, the Kansas City Chiefs could not stop me and Jonathan throwing the ball around. Yeah. And this year, they gave up an 80.8 quarterback rating on defense, the fifth best in the NFL. In terms of yards per attempt, they were sixth best in what they allowed. So they were better than the Vikings in both of those categories. Even though the, the Chiefs were not better than the Vikings and the 49ers were not better than the Vikings, by much in terms of sacks. In fact, the Vikings and 49ers both had the same number of sacks and nearly the same number of yards uh, in terms of sack yardage. And the Vikings had more quarterback hits by pro football references tracking. And yet the Vikings gave up way more passing yards, more yards per attempt, more adjusted yards per attempt, more yet net yards per attempt. And even Kansas City did not have that many sacks or as many sacks as the Vikings. And they gave up a, a far better um, quarterback rating against and, and a better yards per attempt against. And my point is just that the cornerback play, I think, has the biggest impact on whether you win and how good your defense is. More than who you have on the defensive line. And that's not to say that nothing matters on the defensive line. Having Daniel Hunter is a huge deal. I wouldn't trade him, for example. I would keep having him rush the passer. But when these things have been studied, the positional value, what's bringing more and what's more reliable and consistent is having great cornerback play is going to have a huge impact on whether you are a great defense against the pass or mediocre or terrible. And these two teams spending money in the free agent market to sign big-name corners or defensive backs. Tyron Matthew does it all, but you might call him a nickel cornerback or a safety. Um, But he's really a, a playmaker out there that you can use in many different ways. And the New England Patriots, the year before, going all in on Stephon Gilmore, 
uh, to pay him whatever crazy amount of money. It was unusual to see the Patriots do it because usually they're the team that feels like they can replace people and, and they don't sign guys to huge free agent contracts. They're the ones who are super savvy and believe in their development. And yet they went out and spent a ton of money on Stephon Gilmore. And last year he was number one by PFF. This year he gave up a 47 quarterback rating and finished as the fifth best corner. And even the Baltimore Ravens, who went 14-2 and this year, they acquired Marcus Peters, who ended up as one of the top five corners in the league. And uh, the Rams even became more competitive after they got Jalen Ramsey. And if they've got a chance to be competitive next year, he's going to play a huge role. So this brings me to, as we have these conversations about how the Vikings should spend their money in the offseason... It's always great to get pass rushers. It's always great to get interior pass rushers. And speaking of that, in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk with Eric Smith of Vikings.com, who wrote two great pieces on Chris Dolman, and um, they're just excellent on Vikings.com. So I, I want to make sure that uh, we talk more about Chris Dolman and his great legacy as a Viking. So I'm not downplaying what Chris Dolman meant to Vikings defenses by saying that I think corners, in terms of today's game, are just more valuable. So there's one corner out there who was in the top 15 last year in terms of pro football-focused numbers and gave up a 94 quarterback rating, but that's probably because he just didn't have picks. Uh, But his overall coverage grade was very, very good and has been for a while, and that's Byron Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. If you're giving me the option to spend on a left guard, which I sent some turbo snark via text to Jonathan earlier today about the left guard. Steve Wisniewski is apparently still in the league, and there was a feature article about him. He was a backup for Philadelphia, but he's playing for the uh, Chiefs, which it's in terms of all the positions, it's probably the one that has the least impact on winning, and the Vikings fans think that it has the most impact on winning, I think. Um, anyway, maybe to Kirk it matters a little more than it does for Mahomes. But the point just being, if you're giving me the choice between spending a bunch of money on a left guard, spending a bunch of money on an edge rusher, or a three-technique defensive tackle, or Byron Jones, the cornerback from Dallas, it's Byron Jones. And when the Vikings were the best defense in the NFL in 2017, Xavier Rhodes was the best cornerback in the NFL uh, at shutting down opposing teams. And I think Sherman and Tyron Matthew give us a little bit of this lesson that you have to have these high-level players. And it, the Vikings don't have a whole lot of draft capital to just be trading up to take corners. But if they do take another corner this year, you know exactly what it, you're going to hear from Vikings Twitter and Vikings fans is, oh, this is typical Zimmer. What is he doing? Why is he taking another corner? Why can't you just develop someone? And on and on and on and on. But, uh, you know, I, I think that they've actually been right in spending a lot of their draft capital at the cornerback position because that is consistent in NFL history is that if you want to get to the Super Bowl, being able to pass and stop the pass is the way there. There are some teams who can really run and there's some teams who can't run. There are some teams who can't stop the run and, and they all can make it. Those are things you can overcome usually, but you can't overcome if you can't stop anybody passing the ball against you. And with so many uh, uncertainties in the secondary, I think it's worth looking at a corner like Byron Jones and saying, yeah, you really do need that guy back. And Anthony Harris is a much harder one because of his likely price. 
But um, if they could get one of the top names, Chris Harris is another top name from Denver. He's a nickel corner. Of course, they have an opening there with Mackenzie Alexander on the free agent market. If you can get a game changer, then I, I think that that helps your case strongly. And as we were talking yesterday about NFL.com did a piece um, where it was the one thing that every team needs to get to the Super Bowl, which some teams ended up just being laughably hilarious because there's way more than one thing that the Jets need to be in the Super Bowl. But with the Vikings, it's also not one thing. It's several things, that's for sure. But the one thing that should be at the top of your list, if you want to know how you can win if the Vikings extend Kirk Cousins, that's another question of this offseason. Because I think more likely than not, that's going to happen. They're going to give Cousins a contract extension at some point, and then you're going to look around and go, all right, now what? How do you win? Well, you won't have a whole lot of money to spend in other spots, but the cornerback position is definitely one to spend. So I just wanted to point that out with Richard Sherman talking yesterday, and also I've been thinking a lot about Tyron Matthew and how he changed the game, which is another point to be made, too, and the Vikings, I think, are very good at this, that sometimes somebody's reputation in college is not always what they turn out to be in the NFL, and it's worth taking those shots. And there's another guy on this roster that I'm very curious to see whether it ends up paying off that they took a shot, and that's Holton Hill, because he has a lot of talent and is a Zimmer development guy, but we just didn't see a lot of him. And not that Holton Hill has the talent of Tyron Matthew, who was one of the best college players I've ever seen, but it made me think about Holton Hill in, in the context of being patient with him was probably the right move. At one point in training camp, I thought, okay, they're just going to cut this guy and, and that's going to be that because of his suspensions. And I think ultimately being patient was the right move and maybe it does end up working out for them. But I think that's the, a position to spend on, whether it's draft capital, whether it's uh, the money they have, the small amount to spend in free agency or making space um, to sign a big cornerback that, I think, the, the Super Bowl team show us is very, very valuable. All right, uh, you're listening to Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Jonathan Harrison producing. And uh, earlier this week, very sadly, uh, we lost Chris Dolman, who was 58 years old, one of the uh, best pass rushers in the history of the NFL. And on Vikings.com, our friend Eric Smith did a tremendous tribute of talking to a lot of different people, including Andre Patterson, Chris Carter, and, and so forth. And he joins us now. How are you, Eric? Hey, I'm good, Matt. I'm, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, I, I read both of your pieces, uh, one about the player and one about the person, which I thought was a really, really nice way to go about it. So let's start with Chris Dolman, the player. Eric, I think it's fair to say one of the most underrated, underappreciated players of all time, maybe because he just wasn't as flashy as some other guys. But when you go through the numbers, fifth all-time in sacks, and even to the very end of his career when he came back to the Vikings, one of the best pass rushers in history. So from you talking to people who knew him and who watched him closely, uh, what was the thing that made Chris Dolman so great as a pass rusher? Yeah, I think underrated is definitely a good way to describe him. Um, you know, yeah, and like you said, you, you look at the numbers and some people don't even realize that, he, that he's fifth all time. I mean, mm-hmm. he has 150 and a half career sacks. Um, you know, he, he maybe he's not as flashy or, you know, had kind of the, the crazy numbers that other people did. Um, but yeah, I mean, p- people around here, people in the Vikings organization definitely know of the impact he made. Um, and I guess what made him so good, um, you know, Jared Allen, actually, I talked to him on the phone yesterday and he described it, you know, pretty well. He said, you know, 
if you look at the older pass rushers, you know, they were more power, you know, kind of like bull rushers. And Dolman was maybe one of the first of his kind to be maybe like a, a speed rusher off the edge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's the case now. You know, you, you have a lot of guys now who, who who have those traits, but he was one of the first and and he kind of dominated. I mean, in 89, he had 21 sacks and that was kind of unheard of. I mean, he would just, he would just get into the quarterback left and right. Um, so yeah, definitely underrated, but, um, you know, he kind of, you know, he, he could, he could win uh, a physical battle if he needed, but he definitely had that speed and quickness off the edge as well. Yeah. It was interesting. I saw that a couple people talked to Bud Grant and Bud Grant, as old as he is, uh, still had great memories and thoughts and, and analysis on Chris Dolman. And he said that he could have played tight end if he wanted to. He could have played outside linebacker if he wanted to. And my understanding, Eric, is that he started out at outside linebacker and maybe wasn't super thrilled at moving to defensive end, um, but was very much ahead of his time in the type of athlete at that position. Yeah, yeah, he started at linebacker. Uh, he only had three and a half career sacks total in his first two seasons. And then you think that over the, you know, he ended with 150 and a half. So over the next 13 years, he had 147 sacks, which is just incredible to think about. Um, but yeah, no, he made that transition. Um, you know, and he was kind of like an athletic freak. I mean, uh, Scott Dudwell, who played with him for five or six years, you know, he kind of likened him to like a Randy Moss type where he was just hmm. so athletic and just kind of could dominate that way. Um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, Chris, Chris kind of had it all. I mean, he, he probably could have played anywhere on the field. Now, uh, you talked with Andre Patterson, who I didn't realize was the Vikings defensive line coach in 99 and worked with Dolman. And it seems like even Chris Dolman's um, had an impact on Andre Patterson in the way that he teaches guys now, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Dre was, was here in 98 and 99 and then came back, obviously, in 2014. Um, yeah, and, and I was interested to talk to him, you know, because 99, when, when Andre coached Chris, was, was Dolman's last year in the NFL. And, you know, Dolman still had eight sacks, which is, you know, is still a very respectable number. Yeah. But I think the thing that stood out to me the most was that Dre, Andre said that, you know, Chris was very humble, you know, even though we knew he was going to the Hall of Fame, you know, he still wanted to learn. But Andre also said that he kind of sees similarities to Dolman and what Daniil Hunter is today, kind of yeah. that long, rangy pass rusher. And Andre said, you know, I stole stuff that Dolman did or was doing that I apply now to Daniil. Hmm. And, you know, that was you know, 20, 20 years ago. And, you know, it's just kind of cool to see that, uh, you know, those styles and that those ideas kind of transcend over time. Talking with Eric Smith, Vikings.com, did uh, two tremendous pieces on Chris Dolman, the player, Chris Dolman, the person. One more thing on Chris Dolman, the player. What I love about him is just how good he was at his later age because, you know, I didn't see a ton of him in the early 90s as a Viking. I just really wasn't old enough to realize, like, which players were good and that sort of thing when I was watching football. But, uh, you know, right when that sort of... uh, where, where you really start to love football was for me like 94 to 96, 97, where I was really, really getting into it. So he's a, a Falcon and then he's a San Francisco 49er before coming back here to end his career with the Vikings. And he just kept getting sacks. Eric, did you get any insight from people of how this man continued into his later age, almost unlike anybody else in NFL history, to, except for like Reggie White, to continue to get sacks into his later age? 
yeah, I think he just worked at it. You know, I mean, that, that's one thing people said. You know, he he had the talent, but but he worked. You know, I mean, he you know he was the number four overall pick, and I talked to former Viking punter Greg Coleman, and he was like, you know, we we kind of knew early on that that Dolman kind of had the potential to be special, but but he had to work at it, and it sounds like he just kind of kept up that work ethic throughout his whole career. And you're right. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm you know I, I look back at those Niners years and '96, '97, '98. He had 11, 12, and 15 sacks. I mean, if a player did that today, he's, you know, he's probably an all pro. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that was yep. just, you know, that was just, you know, at the tail end of, of Dolman's career, and he was, he was still doing it. Yeah. And that's why it kind of amazes me that he went so underrated to have to wait until 2012 to get in the Hall of Fame with those sack numbers. But I think, and this goes to your personality piece as I was reading through this. It just, he didn't have a marketing team, right? I mean, he just wasn't like the guy who was on Wheaties boxes and video games and, and really out there, um, you know, as a self promoter or anything like that. He was so much more, I think, of just a technician, like you said, and he, a great athlete and, and consistent, but did not seem to, in Daniil Hunter like fashion, have that superstardom that he reached. And it seems to me, Eric, like that was in part because of his personality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, it, you know, it's kind of speaking in those terms, maybe he reminds us a little bit of like Harrison Smith, you know, mm-hmm. where he, where he doesn't want the fanfare, you know, a great player on the field, a, a, a great person off the field, but he, he doesn't want individual accolades or anything like that. Um, I thought that Randall McDaniel actually had a good anecdote. He said that, um, you know, for a while early, early in, you know, middle in his career that, Dolman would bring a briefcase into the locker room mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of people would joke about him and kind of tease him, you know, but, but, you know, he, he set the standard and kind of showed the example for young people that, you know, Hey, this is a job, you know, you're, you're not in college anymore. This is a job and you're here to perform. And, you know, he did that, you know, essentially every year of, of his career. Now, Darren Nelson said his lunch was in that briefcase, so maybe uh, <laughs> maybe it was for sure yeah. more than uh, he had stuff in there. That's a, that's a good one. Um, you know, what I really like talking about Chris Dolman, Eric, is those teams in the late 80s and early 90s with the Vikings, and they didn't get a Super Bowl, so they don't really get their due. And they had a million different quarterbacks during that era. You know, your, your Wade Wilsons and Sean Salisbury's, Rich Gannon's, and those guys coming through. But the defenses were just so good with him and, and Henry Thomas up front, and eventually, you know, John Randall comes through as well. And I, I really, I don't know about you, but you and I grew up around the same age, and I feel like there's just something that's great of looking back and talking about the Chris Dolman Vikings era where this team could just dominate year in and year out and be so good based around this great defense. Yeah, yeah, and I I would agree with you. I mean, perhaps because they did not win a Super Bowl, you know, the fanfare isn't as high, you know, like we talk about maybe like the 85 Bears or kind of of that, those kind of teams. Um, But, yeah, they they had great defense. You know, they they had Keith Millard. You know, they had, they had Dudwell, obviously a linebacker. Um, you know, that was kind of when, when Joey Browner was, was making plays in the secondary. Yeah, a great defense. You know, they, they just could not, you know, get over the hump and, and win a Super Bowl. But, you know, that kind of mirrors Dolman as well. You know, a great player on great teams, but, you know, just not a lot of fanfare, not a lot of publicity. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Chris was, was okay with that. 
Is there one, before I let you go, uh, Eric, is there one anecdote that stuck with you, aside from his briefcase, which I think is funny if it was just his lunch inside of the briefcase, uh, but was there, was there one story of all the people that you talked to with Chris Carter and uh, Greg Coleman and Jared Allen um, that that you really liked and, and that will stick with you? Yeah, I'll, I'll actually give you two. Um, you know, one of them was with Jared Allen, you know, because obviously – Back in 2011, you know, Jared set the Vikings single-season stack record at, at 22, and he passed Goldman, who had 21. And, you know, Jared was like, you know, a lot of guys, when their record gets broken, you know, they may smile about it, but they're not real happy. And he was, and Jared said Goldman was, was happy for me. You know, he made it a point to be at the game when Allen broke the record. He gave him a big hug on the sideline, and they kind of stayed in touch after that. Uh, Jared said that, you know, Chris would show up to his golf tournaments and, you know, do, do charity stuff and, and help him out in that way. And I thought that was kind of, kind of a cool connection between, you know, someone who starred in the late eighties and the early nineties to someone who came around, you know, a, a decade or plus later, you know, that, that connection. Uh, and then the second one is actually a personal memory. Um, back in October of 2018, uh, we found out that, you know, Dolman wanted to donate his Hall of Fame bus to the Vikings Museum, and, you know, this was, you know, when he was kind of in the middle of his brain cancer battle, Mm -hmm. Um, but he came up to, you know, came out here to Egan, and, you know, they had everything on display, and I think what got to me is, like, he had such a good sense of humor. I mean, I walked in, introduced myself, and we started chatting, and he looked up at the bus, and he's like, man, that that boy is good looking, you know, (laughs) and, you know, yeah, you know, I only met him once in person. Um, you know, he was, he was a, a great guy. He had great stuff to say. He was very appreciative of the Vikings. Um, you know, and obviously with everything that's happened the last few days, I'm, I'm glad I got to meet him. Eric Smith uh, writes for Vikings.com, does a great job there. And these two pieces, Eric, were just uh, exceptional on Chris Dolman, talking to a lot of different people and getting their perspectives on him. Unfortunately, uh, gone too soon at the age of 58. Eric, uh, really appreciate, especially on short notice, I texted you just before the show when I was reading your articles. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to come on, man, and great work. No problem, Matt. Happy to help. Yep, thanks, Eric. Um, you can find those, by the way, at Vikings.com. And the Vikings Twitter tweeted out both of them, like both links together of here's one about Air, uh, Air, Chris Dolman, the person. Here's one about Chris Dolman, the pass rusher. And coming up next, the guy who I know grew up as a big Chris Dolman fan, which is Eric Eager for Pro Football Focus. Alex Boone is coming up in our second hour. So Eric is down in Miami. We're going to talk Super Bowl and maybe a little bit more about Chris Dolman when we return. You're listening to Purple Daily. Here on Score North. Hey, Score North listeners. It's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever. Like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. All right, back here on Purple Daily, and let's jump right into it and welcome our friend Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. And just a thank you shout-out uh, to Pro Football Focus all week for giving us all the guests from Miami. What is going on, Eric? Hey, Matt. Uh, just uh, I'm going back to the convention center right now. It's, uh, off, it's awfully nice outside, and the, uh, this, is, this game is going to be pretty, pretty sweet. Okay, so uh, before we get to the game, 
Uh, we were just talking about Chris Dolman on the show with Eric Smith of Vikings.com. And I said, I think he's one of the most underrated players in NFL history. And even in death, Kobe Bryant it has been at the forefront of the news cycle in sports for days and days and days. So we don't even get like a full Chris Dolman celebration, Eric. And I feel like that's just unfortunate because he was so great. I mean, the the quintessential statistic to show that you're right is in 1989, the Vikings had the number one NFL defense in the NFL. Dolman had 21 sacks, 21 and a half sacks, mm-hmm. and his teammate had 18, Keith Millard, and one defensive player of the year. I don't understand how that happens. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think Dolman might have had four sacks in the last game, maybe after it was voted on or something. But yes, I mean, Dolman, you know, you think about past Viking greats, you know, Randall McDaniel, John, all, those, all these players come to my mind, and you can make an argument that Chris Dolman was as influential and as good as all of them. And I really just love watching the old games with those teams. And you run into Chris Dolman all the time in big games. And that's what's fascinating about him, too, is it's it, he ends up being underrated, but he had the numbers to back it up, the fifth in sacks. Like, this isn't a guy who was short on accolades or was short on statistics but was better than you thought or short on big games that he played in. He ends up on those great San Francisco teams, on the Atlanta Falcons when they were coming back as a franchise, and then on the 99 Vikings, another very, very good team. And and I, I guess, in a way, his legacy is being underrated to some extent, but he really shouldn't have been because he was at the center of a lot of big games. Absolutely. I mean, he, in his year 37 season, had 15 sacks for the Niners and then retired. And then I have Juddle probably, you know, recant this too. It's like, you know, the, uh, Dennis Green's favorite thing was to bring back old Vikings linemen like 10 years later, and that, like Roy Barker, uh, I mean, Martin Harrison, Jerry Ball all had like second horrible stints. And, you know, Dolman comes in overweight, gets something like eight or nine sacks, uh, you know, and he just, he's an example of like pass rushers, like they age so well. And, and, the, you know, he was a big, tall, lanky athletic thing, but he had the, he had this, the tact, right? He was able to be tackled even really late into his career. And, and again, just a, you know, a part of three Vikings defenses that were number one overall in yards allowed. He's wow. an absolute uh, deserving member. I did not know that. Uh, Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus. I know you're short on time, so let's get right to the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I want to continue to talk about this. And Jonathan and I have a fun game when we're done talking. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, like, does he have a chance to be the greatest quarterback ever? Kurt, I mean, Kurt Warner was talking about today on uh, USA Today about how he is the most complete quarterback we've ever seen. And we tend to just hyperbolize the hell out of everything when it's football in the Super Bowl. But I don't think it's that crazy to start talking about his potential to be one of the five best players to ever take a snap. Yeah, I mean, whenever you can throw for 50 touchdowns in your first season as a starter, you're, <laughs> you're well on your way, you know. And, and the, the crazy thing was this season, um, you know, he was injured from week one, you know, basically until the bye in week 12. His left tackle was hurt for much of the year. His his number one receiver in Tyreek Hill was hurt. And, and their defense wasn't particularly good at the beginning. And he still was league average in terms of negatively graded throws. League average at his worst. And then in the last, you know, basically since the bye, he's thrown a negatively graded pass at a rate that's, you know, less than every quarterback in the league. And he didn't even throw a pass that our graders gave a negative grade to in the AFC Championship game. Oh, my God. That's just... I mean, it's unbelievable how, you know, the narrative of him coming out of college was Brett Favre, right? And, and, and you know, Vikings fans know this. Brett Favre did, gave his fair share back, and Pat Mahomes has all the positives, 
and none of those negatives. And it's, it's really remarkable. It speaks a lot to Andy Reid and how brilliant he's been. Um, but, you know, Mahomes does have a chance, I think, if those two play together for a decade to, I think, rewrite records and, and re reorient our thought process of what elite quarterback play is. And as much as I love Andy Reid, I want to give most of the credit to the guy throwing the ball um, because he's in the right system for sure and he's got the right playmakers around him. But I think if you throw him on any team, they've got a chance to make the Super Bowl with the way that he's played over his first couple of years. Well, last thing here, Eric, because uh, you got to run, but you do the PFF Forecast podcast. You guys talk a lot about gambling, and this is the most gambling event what in the world every year i'm sure the super bowl so how are you factoring the fact that the 49ers have a stronger overall team and a good quarterback of their own who's done a lot of winning going up against the guy who right now is the number one quarterback in the nfl with maybe a little bit of a lesser team i mean i think you just bet the over then yeah (laughs) yeah you you look for some uh, entertaining football i know history would suggest that that better defense tends to take care of the better, you know, the best offense. I think the the notable exceptions were, you know, the 99 Rams. and uh, But even then, those Rams, that Rams team only scored 23 points in that Super Bowl, even though they won, you know, 2013 Denver, uh, you know, 2018 uh, Los Angeles Rams, all examples of really good offenses during the regular season that struggled against a good defense uh, come Super Bowl time. That being said, again, a lot of our assumptions have to go out the window with Mahomes because, you know, most of the great quarterbacks in league history have had some sort of weakness. And right now, aside from being hurt for a couple of games, I don't know what Mahomes' weakness is. So it'll be really interesting. I don't think it's out of the possibility that the Niners win, but I I have a really hard time seeing a situation where the Niners blow out the Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes has never lost a game by more than one score. Uh, So look for an entertaining game. And, And as such, when you look at the props and when you look at the total and all that kind of stuff, there are going to be a lot of overs, I think, achieved. Well, I know that you love this, and I love this too. This is a great matchup, historical teams, great jerseys, great players. I, I think this is the, one of the ones, Eric, that I'm most excited about in years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is like Elvis Gerbach, Alex Smith, uh, Steve, Bono, <laughs> Steve Bono, you know. Steve DeBerg. Uh, Steve DeBerg. I mean, it's amazing. And the cool thing, so like when you, we, you know, I've talked about this game basically like 10 times, you know, every single time it's almost the same thing, but it's cool. You know, we look at, you know, you and I really like to study the league. And historically, it's always been, oh, Belichick's team's bad at this, 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 and this. And then in the Super Bowl, they do something completely different, yeah. right? Whereas with these two teams, I think they're very defined in their strengths and weaknesses. And I think neither team's really going to try to change things up. It's just going to be strength on strength in many cases. And that's just awesome football. Follow him at PFF underscore Eric and the PFF Forecast Podcast. It is one of my favorites. I've mentioned it a number of times, but I really do enjoy it. So, Eric, great stuff, and uh, enjoy the rest of Miami in the Super Bowl, man. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Enjoy the game. Yep, take care. Eric Eager there, as always, our buddy, uh, coming on here. And um, so I have two questions for you, Jonathan, uh, pertaining to Patrick Mahomes. And I've got a stat that might blow your mind. Okay. Um how many Super Bowl appearances if Patrick Mahomes was on the Vikings for the whole Mike Zimmer era? Like, obviously that's not possible with when he was drafted, but let's just say it was this version of Patrick Mahomes in comes in in 2014 with Mike Zimmer. It's it's Mike Zimmer coaching him, and you know, I guess you know the, Norm the, Turner, the first year's offensive coordinator, players around him. Yep. So at first he doesn't have Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs or Delvin Cook, but he gets them along the way. How many Super Bowls 
does Patrick Mahomes guide the Vikings to? If he's in, if he's there from 2014 on, I think if you look at where the Vikings were in 2014, I don't think they go then. No, I don't either. They don't have the pieces then. I think 2015, when you have Diggs start to kind of reveal how good he actually is, they went 11 and five that season. It is Norv's offense built around Peterson. Yeah, they still right. They still won 11 because Teddy was good. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they're going to the Super Bowl. I think they're getting to the conference championship game. I think they're okay. winning that game against the Seahawks. Yeah, they're not going to ha- rely on Blair Walsh to <laughs> kick a field Maybe goal not. for them. <laughs> the next season, when they go eight and eight, they won't have the Bradford thing where he comes in the first right. game of the season, right? And they probably the don't offensive have that line collapse. falls apart. But Bradford was really impacted by it. I'm not sure that Mahomes would have been. No, Thielen becomes yeah. Adam Thielen in 2016. The defense is top five. There's a a decent chance there, but still TJ Clemmings is playing left tackle for you. I think Mahomes is able to overcome it. I think they get to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure they win it, though. I think the next season... So win crazy how good this player is. We're like, this 8-8 eight eight team, did they make the Super Bowl? Like, probably. <laughs> well, they don't collapse after going 5-0. and yeah. So they could have gone 5-0 and again, and then he wins in Philly. He wins in Chicago. Yep. Like, they don't have those... He wins in Washington. They don't lose to Cousins in Washington. Mm-hmm. And then I think 2017, we clearly agree that they win the Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl. The number one defense and Mahomes. Do they lose three games that season if they have peak Mahomes? Maybe one. Maybe one. Do they have one one where they didn't show up? Hmm. Was that the Bills season? Uh, No, that was 2018. Um, Pittsburgh, they kind of didn't show up in Pittsburgh. But that was the the first Keenum game. I don't think they go 16-0, but I think they're like 14-2. If Mahomes so, is their quarterback in 2017. So you win the Super Bowl 2017. 2018, they obviously don't have to go out and get Kirk Cousins. Right. But John Filippo, if he comes in, <laughs> does Mahomes... He probably does. He's just so good, he can overcome anything. Even yeah. if the offensive coordinator didn't really know what he was doing, it just doesn't matter. We so, would have thought he did. Right? He would have looked so good. And this Andy Reid is provably good. Takes quarterbacks and mm-hmm. makes them better. But even with, think about how many times that Cousins just sort of froze and got strip sacked. Yep. Maybe that was because the offense was too convoluted from D. Filippo, but also, and he couldn't get people open. But also, Mahomes probably is just like, ah, let me run over here and then I'll do a thing. Right. And he has no fear of throwing it to Diggs or Thielen if they're double covered and he's got to make a tight window throw. He's just going to do it and it's going to be perfect because so he is who he is. So 2018, that's possible. I'm going to say no, not quite. And this year I'll say for sure that they are in the Super Bowl with Mahomes. So if Mahomes is on this team from the start of the Zimmer era, we're looking at our fourth Super Bowl in five years. I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got it being plausible that if we were talking about it realistically, it's probably two. Because yeah. things go wrong and people get hurt and whatever. I think 2017 for sure they're going. Bad calls like, yeah. um, you know, the guy lines up off sides, but there was also in the AFC Championship against Brady, yeah. he was barely touched on the shoulder and it was called a 15 yard penalty. And so you, but in the NFC, there's not Brady, right? You look at the and 2017 so, NFC, yeah. everybody got injured. That's Aaron right. Rodgers was injured. Right. Nick and, Foles is the yeah. guy you're facing. And you probably would have home field advantage, which yep. changes this entire thing. And that's why Brady's in so many Super Bowls, because he plays in the AFC East. He's amazing mm-hmm. and always ends up with six free wins or five free wins at worst <laughs> uh, if the Dolphins get him in some weird way because of Ryan Fitzpatrick or something. So you get five or six wins right off the bat, and that's like your starting point. So oftentimes you can win your division for sure, mm-hmm. and oftentimes you can even get the one or two seed. Because all it would take that. is like three or four more wins. 
from the rest of your schedule. To, yeah, to even be in the playoffs. Yeah. And, of course, when you have Brady playing with, say, Randy Moss, <laughs> you can just win all the games. Uh, yeah, I agree that they probably do have two appearances at worst, definitely one Super Bowl win if they have this version yeah. of Patrick Mahomes. And here's the stat that's going to blow your mind, because I think it backs up what we've said. So in the Zimmer era, you have Matt Castle starts the first Zimmer game. Mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater is a rookie, comes in and goes, what, 6-6, six and six, I think is a rookie starter, which was decent on a team that had some problems. 2015, they go 11-5, and five and they get to the playoffs. Bridgewater plays really good, but was just starting to become yep. a full, true starter when he got hurt. Then they have Bradford and Keenum and Cousins. So you just have this cluster bleep of quarterbacks that have been there for Mike Zimmer. And yet, of all the teams, in terms of, Team quarterback rating since 2014. Not like um, just one particular quarterback, but team cumulative quarterback rating. The Vikings are sixth. They have a higher team quarterback rating than the Packers, probably because they played Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, they the one year. Aaron Rodgers injured quite a bit. But the only teams that have better team quarterback ratings since Zimmer came into the league than the Vikings, which tells you they've gotten the most out of the quarterbacks that they've had. Mm-hmm is New Orleans, Seattle, Kansas City, New England, and Atlanta. And, of course, those are Hall of Fame quarterbacks in in those situations. So if he's here, and you already got that much out of Bradford, who had career year, um, Case Keenum had a crazy career year, right? That's multiple different offensive coordinators in that time, too. I know. You know who this tells you about is Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, that tells you a lot about them and the situation you could put quarterbacks in. They have gotten great production in the Zimmer era, despite all the mess of quarterbacks that they've had. And to your point in the first segment, the offensive line hasn't been really that good in that time either. <laughs> I've been told that. Yeah, I've heard from <laughs> some fans that that and is to, the case. And to still have haven't looked the into sixth it. rated team quarterback rating in that time frame is amazing. I know. All the left guards that were there during that time. So, all right, let's play a fun game before we talk with Alex Boone. Speaking of left guards, I I feel bad because I'm like, who's the left guard? Ha ha. Now let's talk to our former left guard friend, Alex Boone. Um, Good thing he's in Miami. He's away, yes, far away from us. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so we're going to talk to him about uh, being there, Super Bowl week, stepping on the field for the Super Bowl, and also a lot more about Patrick Mahomes and, and what he thinks of this game coming up. And, of course, we'll get his Super Bowl pick at the very end of the show, uh, right about at like 3.50 or so. Uh, that's coming up in a little bit. But I want to go through the quarterbacks who have played in the Super Bowl over the last, I don't know, we'll just keep talking until we've run out. Um, and I want you to tell me how many you would trade straight up, one for one, that quarterback that year for Mahomes this year. Okay. So 2015 Peyton Manning is terrible, but the other Peyton Manning is great, if you follow my drift. So yep. you tell me. Uh, the 2018 Tom Brady versus Jared Goff. Like, Would you trade either one of those versions of those quarterbacks for Patrick Mahomes. I'm trading for sure Jared Goff. And I think I actually would trade Tom Brady. I think I would too. I think Mahomes right now is basically the game is who's better, Mahomes yeah. right now or the quarterback who was in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would definitely, for that version of Brady, the year before is also Brady and Nick Foles. I know you're doing it for Foles. For Foles, for sure. And I. Th- Brady was great that year. He was. 2017. Leading passer in the league that year. I think I might keep Brady. Just for that year. I think... I still might go Mahomes, but... Really? Uh, maybe. Mm, yeah. 
that I mean, one's hard. 2017, they scored 33 points in the Super Bowl and lost. So he was on his Brady game. Had 32 touchdowns that year. Yeah, he was I really good. I think I would keep Brady just for that year. The 2016 Brady, I think I would over Mahomes, mm-hmm. but it's still hard. The 2016 Matt Ryan led the NFL in quarterback rating. Had Kyle Shanahan. Had Kyle Shanahan. Should have won that Super Bowl. But you're still taking Mahomes over him, right? Absolutely. Now He's t- more versatile than Matt Ryan is. 2015 Cam is unbelievable. 2015 Cam is a tough one. Because even though his career has been up and down... You listen, don't have the injuries at that time. Listen to what he did in 2015. He threw 35 touchdowns, 10 picks... 99 quarterback rating, average 8 yards per attempt. That's just the passing part of it. And then in the running part of it, he ends up with 636 yards and 10 more touchdowns. 45 <laughs> touchdowns total for Cam Newton. And MVP six, that season. Yep, MVP 15-1. and one, And he ends up with well over 4,000 yards total between his rushing and passing. Who Would were you his weapons in? that season? It was... You had D'Angelo Williams, I think, at running I'll, back. Still, I'll look it up, but uh, I mean, it, th- that was like the Cam year. Yeah, I'm not I sure take Cam. he ever recovered from that from that season. Um, Ted Ginn was his leading wide receiver. <laughs> I'm taking Cam. With 44 catches. I'm taking Cam. Look at the look at what Greg he was Olson obviously to. was a tight yeah. end, but no, what? yeah, look, Jericho Cotchery, Corey Brown, <laughs> Devin Funches, those were his receivers. Those That's, are the guys you round out your Madden lineup with. Not exactly Tyreek Hill there. You just need mm, guys to fill I, out roster spaces. I think I'm going to agree with you. I will also take 2015 Cam, despite his poor performance in the Super Bowl, in which, if I remember, they just kept like fumbling and dropping passes yeah. for the first half of that game. Uh, obviously, you're not taking 2015 Peyton Manning oh. over. How about 2014 Brady, 2014 Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson really rolling at that point. I'm in keeping 2014. Wilson. There's a there's a case that Wilson should have been the MVP of the league this year because he just didn't have a great team. But they were still, let's see, they were still enough centered around Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. This is 2014. Yeah, so yeah. They had I, Lynch, but his receivers, like his receivers, have never been out of this world. Good. It's true. I think I have to take Mahomes here, though. Really, over Russell Wilson for that season. So Not are you taking I, Mahomes over Brady. I then, think. Too? Yeah, uh, I'm not taking him over Brady. From that year, because I think Brady's at his height, and I know that Wilson leads them on a game-winning drive that they should have finished off by running Marshawn. But at that point, Marshawn is still sort of the centerpiece. His Wilson's numbers started to really shoot up after Marshawn left. Yeah, and and they are what they are now, where he's got a hundred and ten and a hundred and six quarterback ratings the last two years. Well, that's well, insane yeah, over a two-year period. He still he still was great. That year, he just didn't throw that many touchdown passes because they usually gave it to Marshawn, which they should have done. That's a hard one, Wilson. But I think I, I think I'm still taking Mahomes. I think I'm taking Wilson just because, like I mentioned with Cam, his weapons. He didn't have. He wasn't throwing to the greatest of receivers, whereas Patrick Mahomes has pretty decent receivers. He's throwing to. He's got Tyreek Hill, who's a burner. He's got Sammy Watkins, who's a burner. He's got Travis Kelsey, who's one of the better tight ends yeah. in the league. Yeah, the offensive weapons were really like Marshawn, and then Doug Baldwin is good, but, mm, you know, other than that. Now, here's a really hard one. The version of Peyton Manning, who loses the Super Bowl, but throws, during the regular season, 55 touchdowns, 342 yards per game, 115 quarterback rating, and goes 13-3 and with the Denver Broncos. That version of Peyton Manning or Patrick Mahomes. Peyton Manning on his last ride as 
a good quarterback, I think I might take that Peyton Manning. I mean, although he did have really good receivers that year. He had Eric Decker, Demarius Thomas, and I think he had, uh, who's the guy for San Francisco now? Uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, I think he had all three of those guys that year. So he did have weapons. He threw for 55 touchdowns. But here's the crazy thing. So that's Manning at his last peak Yep, and is just pure excellence. Mahomes did that as a rookie when he threw for 50 (laughs) touchdowns. Fair enough. As a rookie. And this year he didn't play as much because of the couple of games injured and didn't have much of a drop-off. And uh, if you go by QBR, which is the ESPN stat 1 through 100, Mm -hmm. The QBR for Mahomes as a rookie versus Peyton Manning in his probably best statistical year where he threw 55 touchdowns are almost identical. That so that's insane. that's how great Patrick Mahomes is, that you have to put him in the air of Peyton Manning 55 touchdown. Like, how far do we have to go back to be 100% certain we wouldn't trade this version of Patrick Mahomes for somebody who was a Super Bowl-winning quarterback Aaron Rodgers becomes a, a tough decision at his absolute peak. That is Drew Brees at his peak. I think that that's what we're seeing here, and that you can prove it. It's not like, well, he could be this or he could be that if he only did whatever. Uh, Eric Eager brought it up. The fact that he doesn't even throw picks or have negative yeah. throws, and usually the incompletions are drops. Truly amazing. Like, so and you don't see him panic either. He see like the run he had even down twenty four. Yeah. He's been down 24 twice now, or 20 points twice now, and he just comes back like it's no problem. I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time, of how he compares to the best of the best of all time. So that that was fun. I like that exercise, to just really put it in context, how amazing he is right now. Because if you did the same with Jimmy Garoppolo, we'd be like, no, no. Are you sure nope, you don't nope, want nope. 2012 Joe Flacco? <laughs> uh, twenty In the playoffs, I do. <laughs> 2012 Joe Flacco. But even then, Eric Eager said that PFF has graded uh, him, Mahomes, higher than even Joe Flacco that year. I think it was the, Crazy. the stat you told me about, net yards per attempt, I believe. Or Yeah, yeah, that's a good one to look at. His net yards per attempt that season, Joe Flacco's 2012, during the regular season, 6.34. During the playoff run, 8.35. Just wild. What was his quarterback rating for the playoffs, Joe Flacco, that year? For the playoffs, quarterback rating... 117.2. <laughs> just crazy. It's uh, unfortunate for Vikings fans because it, the farther we get away from that year, the harder it is to be like, yeah. well, all you need to do is get Joe Flacco high in the playoffs. No. Right? Am I right, please? A bit more than that. <laughs> well, the good thing about the NFC, and we'll uh, take a break and get to Alex Boone, is that the quarterback situation in the NFC is not as daunting as it is in the AFC going forward. So if the Vikings keep Kirk Cousins, and this is where I keep going back and forth about the extension, and I haven't like had an official stance. We haven't gotten a press release. Like The Purple Daily Show is for or against the Kirk Cousins extension. Part of the reason you might be okay with it is Matt Ryan's going to retire. Cam Newton is shot. Drew Brees is probably going to retire. If he doesn't this year, it'll be next year. Jared Goff's not that great. Jimmy Garoppolo, when he doesn't have this team, is still okay. Wilson is a god, but their team is terrible. Kyler Murray's probably going to be good. Will's uh, Rodgers, as we know, is washed. Stafford is washed. The Bears are hilarious. Carson Wentz is good, but not great. Dak Prescott is really good, but not great. And two is probably going to the AFC. Yeah, Joe Burrow is yeah. going to the AFC. I mean, is there any reason why you can't have the third or fourth best quarterback in the NFC with Kirk Cousins unless some things really change? Like, that would be your really good case 
if you were making that argument, if it was debate class, and you're like, okay, you have to make the argument for Kirk, you have to make him against for an extension. The one forum is like, is it's pretty hard to get the third or fourth best quarterback in the NFC, but you're probably going to have it once Drew Brees and Matt Ryan retire, and if Cam Newton never comes back to what he was, and Rodgers never comes back to what he was. So uh, anyway, we'll take a break. And yes, Alex Boone is in Miami, so we are going to connect with him for the next hour. What it's like to actually play in the Super Bowl, uh, Alex Boone has done it, and we're going to discuss it with him. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All right, welcome into our number two of Purple Daily, and now joined by Alex Boone, former Vikings guard, obviously. How are you, Alex? Doing great. Can't wait for the Super Bowl. I know, I know. I, I, it just hit me today how much I can't wait for this Super Bowl. The two-week thing will never not throw me off. So I'm like, oh, I guess football's over. You know, <laughs> like just, No, it's not. It, it feels that way after the championship <laughs> week's like, yeah, I guess, uh, well, we're looking at free agents. And that's sort of the writing that I'm doing about the Vikings is free agency and Coops is the offensive coordinator now and all those things. And now it sort of ran into me this morning as I was driving and I was listening to Dan Marino talk about Patrick Mahomes. And I just had one of those like, Wow, that's right. The Super Bowl is this week because also we've kind of been through a lot this week with, you know, Kobe Bryant and Chris Dolman passing away as well. It's just been a really tough week for everybody, but now we can kind of turn our focus onto the Super Bowl. So I want to talk with you, Alex, about just our favorite matchups that we cannot wait to see in the Super Bowl. And number one is, in my mind, the two coaches, Kyle Shanahan against Andy Reid. And I saw. The greatest story about Andy Reid from the L.A. Times, that he has burgers shipped from his favorite burger place, I believe in Los Angeles, shipped to Kansas City for him to eat and enjoy. And he said it lubricates the joints. So (laughs) Andy Reid is a hero to everyone. Uh, but th- but these guys, what's amazing about these guys is Kyle Shanahan is like in shape Andy Reid. Like yeah. a guy who constantly finds ways to make his quarterbacks better. So I want from your perspective you to tell me what your favorite part about those two coaches is and what the biggest difference is in their offenses. Well, obviously the biggest difference is that Kansas City is a pass-first offense. I mean, they're so innovative in how they get their receivers open, how they get Tyreek open. You know, what, There's a lot of similarities, I feel like, pre-snap because there's a lot of shifting, there's a lot of motioning, there's a lot of, hey, what are you in? That'll determine what we're going to be in. But they're complete polar opposites because San Fran is a run-first offense. They are predicated solely on running the ball. They're going to run the ball 50 times. They don't care. Listen, we're going to do this because it's number one. It's going to be effective. Mm-hmm. It's going to help our defense. We're going to wear on their defense. And then eventually we're just going to let Jimmy roll out a couple times. He's going to throw some nice dimes. And we're going to walk away with a W. Like, I think another polar opposite would be that Andy Reid is super flashy. Like, I feel like he's out there to impress a lot of people. He's out there to show you, like, hey, man, look what I can do. Look at this offense. We're going to put up 500 yards today in the air alone. And then you look at, like, Kyle Shanahan, and he's more like, hey, listen, I don't really care what you guys think. As long as we win, we're good. And both teams have bought into both philosophies, right? Like, the Kansas City Chiefs players firmly believe, their defensive players firmly believe our offense will get us out of any trouble. Like, Mm -hmm. they'll... 
You've seen it in the playoffs. They will get us out of any hole we dig them in. This, this team is electric. They're on fire. This kid that's throwing the ball cannot do it any better. Patrick Mahomes is dazzling out there because on plays where even Tony Romo said it, I probably would have stepped out of bounds there. He's like, you know what, dude? Put the team on my back. I can do this. And then on the other hand, you have a very selfless quarterback who says, hey, listen, if you need me to hand it off 50 times, I'm cool with that. Like, as long as we win, that's great. You hear these receivers and the tight ends and the quarterback, they're like, listen, I don't need my stats padded. As long as their stats get padded and we win, everybody's going to be okay because we're all going to get the same ring. Their rings aren't going to be bigger than ours. They'll <laughs> all be the same size. That is the like most polar opposite teams, but they work so well with their defenses, with themselves, the coaching. You know, Another thing, too, is this. I was thinking about this last night. I was, I was watching film on Kansas City, and I was like, man, they've kind of had the same issues that San Fran has had. They've lost players. They lost Pat Mahomes for how many weeks? And Matt Moore came in and still won them yeah. games. Yep. Like, you look at San Francisco, they've lost their entire offensive line at one point. They still were winning games, and huge games, like games you were like, who is that left tackle? Oh, my God, how is that guy surviving? But they went out and they did it because schematically he was like, listen, how do I not make my tackles the focal point? How do I not make my center the focal point of this? How do I make those guys not a distraction and help them lift up this ship? That is real coaching to me. And it happens on both sides. And what I really like about that point that you made about the injuries is that both of these teams went through a lot in the regular season, whether it was really tough schedules or you know missing your quarterback. And not only that, but Mahomes was playing through an injury when yeah. he got hurt the other time on a quarterback sneak, which I've never seen anyone ever get hurt before on a quarterback sneak. But the fact that they were able to, I think, win one out of the two games, and it was against the Vikings with uh, Matt Moore, and he came up with a game-winning drive. I mean, uh, A, it says that it's important to have a journeyman backup quarterback at For all sure. times For in your sure. life. And that's yes. exactly why, because they could come and win one out of two or two out of four games and, and give you a chance um, to still get that first round by. Yes, Sean Hill, uh, the winner of the opener of 2016, right. made that one throw to <laughs> Stephon Diggs, and that was all it took, and a uh, pick six by Eric Hendricks on that one of the worst great. throws I can great ever game. remember. Uh, but you know, to your point, though, these are the teams that belong in the Super Bowl, is the yes. way that I've yes. sort of started to look at this. Is San Francisco was the, the best team right out of the gate. They won something like eight or nine games in a row. When they finally lose, it's because their backup kicker shanked one in overtime against the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. And, and and every game that they had down the stretch, it seemed, was really tough. They had to go all the way out to Baltimore and play them in the rain and did a great job in that game and nearly came away with a win, which I think was one of those moments where you said, all right, San Francisco That's, is pretty yeah. real. right? right? And, and then Kansas City, the, the way that they had to perform down the stretch in order to get that two-seed and a little help from Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is how I will always remember this season, is yes. Matt Moore and Ryan Fitzpatrick helped get the Kansas City Chiefs into the Super Bowl. Um, but but the resilience of both teams and the fact that they earned it, and you know, I come to respect it more because of what we saw from the Vikings this year, where it seemed like every time they had a big game, save for the New Orleans game, they came up short, and they, they had every chance to be the team that was here. I, they had every chance to have me in Miami and not in 20 degrees and cloudy Minnesota. Minnesota, uh, yes. this week, but instead it was Green Bay twice, it was Chicago, it was Kansas City losing to Matt Moore, and, and that's why I, I'm looking at these teams with a great deal of respect, because it wasn't a cheap schedule or anything like that. Like They had to really do it and get down 24 to 
nothing with Patrick Mahomes to end up coming back from that and, and getting themselves in the Super Bowl. I think the one thing I think about the most with San Fran this year is that tough schedule that they had with the Ravens, and then they go play the Saints, and then they had to go back home and play the Falcons, I think it was. You talk about like a tough stretch, and they kind of put it together there for a while. I know they lost two of them, but it was like out of the five games that were like, man, oh, it's Green Bay up went out there, and it was like, man, this is going to be the team's model. And they were they were down a bunch of players, and they came yep. out really tough, and it was like, wow, this this team's kind of reeling around themselves. They're, they're really tough. They don't care what people think on the outside. And then you turn around and you look at Kansas City and you think what have these guys done in the playoffs? They've come back from deficits both times. Like number one the Texans game, that alone made me be like wow, uh, somebody better do something about this kid. <laughs> yeah. He's incredible. Like when you could come back down 24 points, you don't understand what coaches are saying when you're down 24 points. Like they're almost like, okay listen guys, we're going to get home at noon. Okay, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll just do the exit meeting and then we'll just go. Yeah. Okay, yep. but then all of a sudden you start to get new life and you're like, hey, listen, no, 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 listen, we're the Kansas City Chiefs. We tell you how things go. Just the way that they've been this whole playoffs, and it's it's so weird how polar opposites they are because Kansas City has needed Patrick Mahomes so much for so much of the playoffs, and now all of a sudden you look at the San Fran team and they're like, man, we we really haven't even really used Jimmy like right. less than twenty throws really. I mean, we don't really need him yet. That's going to be so interesting to me because when you get into a game like this, and don't ever let me fool you. There's times where you're like, yeah, man, it's just another game. When you walk into the Super Bowl, it's not just another game. Right. It is the Super Bowl. The six-year-old you comes out and goes, oh, my God, dude, we did it. We are here. We made it. The one thing in life nobody can ever take away from you is that you were on the field in the Super Bowl. Like, that is the greatest thing ever. And I'm... My biggest fear is that sometimes when you haven't really needed someone and all of a sudden you need them, especially in a big game, like you don't know what's going to happen. And I have total faith in Jimmy. I'm just saying it might be a little interesting to see what happens because Kansas City coming out is their priority. Numero uno is going to be to stop the run, no matter what happens. And they did it last week against Derrick Henry. But that's a different beast. We talked about that on Tuesday, about how there's teams that believe in one guy, and then there's teams that believe in a committee of guys. Yep. The committee yep. of guys is tougher because you can't wear all of them down at once. That's when right. you have one big back, that dude's taking – did you see Kansas City? Their, their second-half motto against Derrick Henry was like, listen, one guy holds him up, three guys will just come spear him. <laughs> yeah. You just go spear him. Spear him as hard as you can. Just take him however he's got to go down, you get him down. Well, all of a sudden, Derrick Henry's like, look, guys – I can only take so many of those hits. When you have three of those guys, it's like now you got to put in triple the effort. you got to wear down three guys. And while one guy's getting hit, he's coming out the next play to take a break. He's can't get out to chill out for a whole series. Like That's a whole nother beast you got to be worried about. And a lot of it, too, is because the way that Shanahan draws up his schemes against defense. Yeah, I get it. Raheem Mostert is a hell of a running back. No question. But a lot of it is the scheme. It's how it's drawn up. It's how it's, hey, listen, these linebackers like to over-pursue, so look for the cutback lanes this week. There's like a theme every week. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Kyle gets to those guys like, hey, listen, this is the theme this week. We want to get the ball on the edge. We're going to pitch it this week. Or we want to take the zone straight off of Kittle's butt. Or we want to take the zone and cut it back off of Staley. You know, there's so many. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the game, that's just how it goes. I'll be really excited to see what the theme is against Kansas City. You know, what I really respect and appreciate about Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, that whole crew, 
is the ability to connect the run with the pass. Is that you see all the time, you're not on Twitter, but if you were, you would see all the time debates about the value of running the football in the NFL. And we know that uh, running the football just in general is going to gain less yardage than passing the ball in general. Naturally. Like your your average yards per attempt for the 49ers is over 8 and your uh running attempt is like four and a half. Right. So there's an efficiency part of it, there's getting closer to scoring and things like that. But when you are Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid to some extent too, they run a lot of RPOs, but especially the Shanahans do such a great job of manipulating the defense by using the run game because there's nothing in the world that defenses hate more than being run over. So if defenses said, you know what, we'll let you pick up that extra half a yard or yard per carry and we'll focus entirely on your pass game, well, San Francisco proved that they could just run over you, which actually the Vikings were able to do against the Packers in Week 2 with Delvin Cook. It was the same sort of thing, except for they blew up the pass game so much and then Kirk threw the interception at the end. But you really saw it against the Packers that they had the perfect game plan of like, oh, you guys are are going to focus entirely on stopping the pass? That's wonderful. We'll just run this delay handoff on third and seven and run for a 40-yard touchdown or something. Hey, dude, that, that third down, that was a trap. Like, they had no... They were in the most exotic defense. you got to be like, dude, no way they just did that. Like, they, you just <laughs> gave them a touchdown. And you know why they're trying to go after the pass? Because they're not naturally a run-stopping defense. Right. You don't have your big middle linebacker in there. You don't have these big three techniques that are like big dogs. I'm not here to rush the passer. I'm here to gobble up the yardage. You're like, all right, this is going to be one hell of a day. If you put that out against... San Francisco, you might have a different day, but everybody I feel like goes after them and they go, listen, we're going to go after Jimmy. Dude, they're not going to let you do that. They're not just going to let you go, hey, we're going to tee off on Jimmy. Because the minute you do, the minute they give up a sack, all of a sudden everything goes back to play action. They're like, listen, we're not doing this all day. Like The one game that he had to do it was like the Saints and Seattle. And those were like, hey, man, we got to come out. We got to come out with a win. We're going to have to do this. And he looked good. Yep. At times yep. they, but don't get me wrong, Jadavian Clowney, one of those games just, I mean, he blew everything up. That's right. I mean, he, he just like stole the ball and ran it for a touchdown. It was like a high school thing where you're like, no, I'm way bigger than you. Give me the ball. Awesome. I want to talk more about Jimmy though, because I like to look, at, and I know this is uh, analytics like uh, taboo here to say, Ooh. but I start out. Okay, it's not like a weird thing. I just mean it's like a thing you're not supposed to do. Maybe that's the wrong word. Um, but I like to start out when I look at a quarterback with their win-loss record. Because A, that's what matters in sports, is winning. And B, this guy has more control over winning than anybody else on the field. If he plays horribly, it's very hard to win. And if he plays great, you usually win. And a lot of times, the other stats will lie to you. Like Aaron Rodgers throwing for 350 yards and three touchdowns against San Francisco when they were down by 28 points. And it didn't matter, and they were never really in that game. And Garoppolo is 21-5. and as a starter, he had four fourth quarter comebacks, four game winning drives this year, and averaged eight point four yards per attempt. And to your point, there's always the play action element. There's the marrying the run of the pass. There's baffling defenses and everything else. But in order to get to the Super Bowl, it's been my thought that you need a baller at quarterback at some point who makes a play. Like even if even when there's been one year wonder guys, like even like Rex Grossman makes it and Trent Dilfer makes it. Those guys in those years made plays when they needed to make plays, and 
it wasn't that they were going to be long-term quarterbacks, but it's the same with Case Keenum when the Vikings went to the NFC Championship. Like They made the plays that they needed to make at that time, even if it wasn't sustainable over a long period of time. I think with Garoppolo it is, and I'll tell you why, because not using play action, so this is without any play action on a play, he was a fourth-best quarterback in the NFL in terms of quarterback rating. The only ones that were better, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson. And that tells me that you are not just the product of the scheme. That means no play action is third down and seven. You have to make a tight window throw, drop back, and make something happen. And I feel like because he only threw the ball eight times in the NFC Championship, he's being looked at as like, oh, well, I guess he's like another Trent Dilfer or Rex Grossman. Like, I think that this guy is actually a really good quarterback, and he just isn't getting the credit because most of the focus is on Shanahan and how successful they've been in the running game. Agreed. And I think that when people, like you, you look at these playoffs, and we were, we're gushing about Patrick Mahomes because we're like, look what he's done with his team in the playoffs. Like, that's a, that's a leader. And then all of a sudden you look at everybody you're like, I mean, if Jimmy had to, he probably could. He just hasn't had to yet. Like, that's not his fault. When you're looking at his win-loss record, you're, it's his is so skewed because of games like Green Bay in the playoffs where you're like, he didn't really do anything. He didn't have to do anything. Green Bay just didn't show up. There are times in in games like this where the run game is just so effective, and I think a lot of it is because people are so worried about, number one, getting Kittle going. like So they're constantly trying to stop him. And then they're trying to constantly go after Jimmy because there's been this narrative that he's not the quarterback everybody thinks he is, that all you got to do is get to him, and, and you know it's going to happen. Well, it's not really going to happen when they're handing the ball out 45 times. Like they, These guys are seriously committed to just not caring and saying, hey, listen, we're not going to put our quarterback in a bad position because there are times where Jimmy throws interceptions. Yep, and you yep. do see bad plays where you're like, whoa, what was that? But I remember when I was playing in Arizona, we played them uh, twice, and that was the year they traded for Jimmy. Yeah. The first time we played them, they didn't have Jimmy. And I was talking to some old friends, and I'm not going to name any names, but they were all like, "Dude, it's 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 interesting, you know, it's weird, and you know, who knows what's going to happen." He seems like a unique cat, Jimmy. Well, wait, Jimmy Garoppolo. It, he gets traded there. I see this team right after he gets traded, and everyone thinks he's going to start. And, and Shanahan was like, "Nah, dude, he's not starting until he's ready." Mm-hmm. And so I we show up in San Fran, and all of a sudden I see the same friends, same guys playing on the same team, and they're like, "Dude, I'm going to play ten more years. Can't wait." I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> What changed? You're like, dude, this Jimmy kid is unreal. I'm like, really? What, what's so cool about him? Like, number one, kid's good looking. I was like, no question. <laughs> like, number two, that ball comes out of his hand faster than yes, anybody. They were does. like, dude, when he hits his back foot, that ball is gone. I was like, really? They were like, dart. Like, dude knows where he's going with the ball because he's already preempted to know what the defense is doing. He knows how they're going to feel. Like, they said he came in Tom Brady ready. He would been under time and knew exactly where the ball needs to go, need to know his hot routes, like was like, hey, listen, if it's not open here, it must go here. He was like, Roger, got it. It'll go there. And if you look in the games, when he hits that back foot, bro, that ball is gone. He's like, listen, I don't care. Get open. And I think that goes to Shanahan, too, because you see a lot on third and seven where, and it even happened against the Vikings. He shifted out the fullback, and he was like, oh, they're in man. <laughs> Why don't I shift out my running back? I'll just open up the whole middle of the field for Debo Samuel. Like, there's so many times where you're like, man, the defense just plays right into their hand. And that's Shanahan. And it's also Jimmy saying, hey, listen, this ball's coming out exactly at this time, whether you like it or not. So you better be there if you want it. You know, it, it, the thing about uh, Garoppolo and Mahomes that is sticking out to me right now as you're talking is both of these guys sat. 
and they did not go right in and play as a rookie, which isn't to say that you can't be great if you go in and play as a rookie. Plenty of guys have. I mean, Lamar Jackson was way in over his head and found a way to just run them to the playoffs, but then he comes back in year two and is a completely different quarterback. I mean, it sort of connects to the Vikings in if you're going to move on from Kirk Cousins at some point, draft one of these guys and let them sit for a year. Don't draft one in 2021 and expect that guy to get you to the playoffs because it usually doesn't happen. Uh, Even if you're setting someone down with a good team, like even Carson Wentz was given a good team his first year, and they weren't all that good because you're a rookie quarterback and you're way in over your head. Even if you are Trevor Lawrence, you're going to be way in over your head. He'll play right away, but most guys to sit, I think, has always been historically beneficial. And with Garoppolo, those years behind Tom Brady, you couldn't ask for anything better. And it also probably says something a little bit about your character, too, that you're willing to take that back seat after being a high draft pick, you know, first rounder for Mahomes, for Garoppolo, and to really focus on what your job is for that year. And it's to get yourself much better. And both of these guys did that. And I want to make this point, too, about Garoppolo, because it's so crazy in football how whatever the last thing that happened happened is the truth. Right, that's how that's how like all analysis works. <laughs> so the last game, Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight passes, completed six, and threw seventy-seven yards. But second half of the season, they played against Green Bay. Jimmy Garoppolo, one hundred and forty-five quarterback rating. They go to Baltimore, lose by three, and play in the rain. Jimmy Garoppolo, one hundred and ten quarterback rating. They beat Drew Brees in the shootout of the season, forty-eight forty-six, one thirty-one rating. How about that game against the Rams where he throws that uh, touchdown to win the game or? or well, I think it was a deep bomb, and they kicked the game-winning field goal. And then against Seattle, 118 quarterback rating to get the uh, number 1 seed, which is one of the main reasons they're here, in my mind. If Minnesota is playing at home, I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings were in the Super Bowl, or if Seattle was at home. It's just how it works, right. is getting that home field advantage is such a huge deal. So with Garoppolo, we're, a lot of us are looking at him like, well, you know, game manager guy, like maybe he's a, you know, s- sort of similar to Jared Goff. I think he's better. I think he's better than Jared Goff, and I think he's better than Kirk Cousins now after a closer look at how he performed against the best teams when they needed him to win the game, when their defense gave up 31 points and he had to make a big play, that or when they gave up 46 to Drew Brees on the road and he had to make a big play, he was there. So I know if he loses the Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes, which there is no shame in, but we'll hear, ah, you know, Garoppolo, I don't know, I don't know if he's good enough, but I think that he is sort of an under appreciated very very good quarterback i've said for a long time that he's underappreciated i think it's because the one thing that i appreciate about him the most and i think i've said this on our show is that he's so calm all the time under pressure this dude never breaks like i remember the play that you were talking about the rams where the safety completely just went to the sideline yep, yep. and everybody was like what what just happened that was a rookie <laughs> See what happens when you're a rookie? You make rookie mistakes. You look, and, and I'm glad you said that about the quarterback because I think so many people, number one, are afraid of the fan base, right? Like, you can't draft a guy in the first round and then sit him without the fans being like, what are you doing? Right. right. Unless you're Andy Reid or you're Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah. See how that worked? Because mm-hmm. nobody's going to come at them and be like, what are you doing? What am I doing? What are you doing with credentials? Why don't you get the hell out of here now? You're not allowed <laughs> to come back here anymore. Don't ever ask me what I'm doing. I'm doing the NFL thing, okay? I run this league. When those two guys sat under two great quarterbacks, and yes, I said Alex Smith was a great quarterback because he was. Yeah, he was a very great quarterback. Good. Yeah. Great dude. When you sit and you learn and you, I, when you don't 
I don't want to say argue, but when you don't riff, when you just sit there and you're learning from one of the greatest, and they're like, hey, man, this is what I would do, and this is how I would do it, and this is what you're looking for. Eventually, you just rub off so much, because I think about all the, the centers that I listen to, and you're like, man, this is great. I'm getting to learn from one of the greatest people in the world. Like, this is awesome. This is so fun. And then the, the way that they would say they would do things, you're like, I never would have thought of that. But now I am because you're, you said it. And this has got me my wheels turning. And, and, and then all of a sudden to go in and to be able to do it in a game-time situation. I mean, these two guys have both been amazing. And I think that Patrick obviously won the MVP last year, 50 touchdowns. I mean, just incredible stats. This year's down a little bit, but still doing it at a high level. Didn't play in a couple games. And Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy's just always going to be considered the game manager until he puts on a 16-game show of 300 yards. And then people are going to finally go, okay, well, you know, he's a great quarterback. But he doesn't really have to. And the great thing about Kyle is he's not out to prove that to people. He's not saying, hey, let me put my team in a bad situation because I need to prove everybody wrong. They're the ones sitting back going like, they still don't see this, guys. Listen. Listen, we're just going to run the ball in the Super Bowl, too, if they don't want to believe it. Like, if they're going to just sit back and keep talking about how Jimmy's an amateur, well, then we'll just run the ball like a bunch of professionals, and then we'll just sit there and laugh at the end. I mean, I think defenses in the league are very conscious of what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing because they see exactly what I see, his calmness, his demeanor, the fact that he can take a hit and get up and laugh about it. and that's, That drives people nuts. It drives defensive coordinators nuts. And then when he can hit his back foot and get the ball and you can't even get to him for the whole game, it's like, okay, well... There goes our whole game plan. Like, we had nothing to do. We can't stop the run because all of a sudden, schematically, we're being pushed everywhere all over the field because of shifts and motions. I mean, this is everything they want to do to you, and they're kind of like, hey, we're not even really trying. I mean, the Saints game, the Ravens game, the Falcons games, yeah, those were games. I mean, and let's be honest, the Ravens game, we thought that was going to be like the Super Bowl. That was like a yeah, preview yeah, to the definitely. Super Bowl. Everybody was like, dude, this is, this is really happening. Like, even I got excited. I was like, wait a minute, a rematch? Great. Finally, it's going to happen. But Greg Roman's on the wrong side, but still, like, this is it. And then the Ravens couldn't do it. So all of a sudden, now you're looking like, man, Pat Mahomes, that dude has got some wheels. He can get it done in the air. Like, this is going to be really exciting to see. So I want to talk about him when we come back because I was listening to Dan Marino talk this morning on Golick and Wingo. I know. I, Dan Marino is in my all time. When I was a producer, I used to have to call him. the guests. And you learn about somebody from having to call them and when you have to reschedule and everything else. And Dan Marino was one of the nicest people to me of all time. We had to reschedule like a couple different times and it was a very hectic day and he was super patient and nice. So every time Dan Marino's, I'm like, Dan Marino was nice to me. Just everybody know that. Dan Marino, nice to me one day. Um, but uh, he said something really interesting about Patrick Mahomes that I want to run by you, and, and, and I want to talk more about what Mahomes can be in the NFL when he gets paid as well and what we expect from him in the Super Bowl. Matthew Collar and Alex Boone, you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North Download Destination Winter St. Paul featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate and the Securian Financial Super Slide is open now through February 22nd. Over at CHS Field in St. Paul, the Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. And the Securing Financial Super Slide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit scorenorth.com, keyword winter. Anthony Harris, Vikings, one of the Vikings star safeties, was on NFL Network the other day talking about a bunch of other things along with the Super Bowl. But he was asked how he feels on being termed one of the more underrated safeties in the league. Here's what he said. Well, me, you know... Um Coming into last year, getting my first time to you know, get some time to go out there and play, I was really excited. You know, I felt like I was one of the best. Said it last year. You know, I was a Pro Bowl caliber, top tier player. 
And then going into this year, you know, it was all about just going out and proving that. So I think, you know, based off you looking at the numbers, you know, looking at the film, that I'm the best safety. So um, I'm just excited to, you know, move forward and continue to play football and showcase my talent. You can join Team Mackey or, or, and Score North at this year's Big Climb Minneapolis on Saturday, February 15th over at the Capella Tower as we raise money to fight blood cancer. Donate to our team or join Team Mackey for just $20 when you use the promo code Mackey when you register to climb. For more information, visit scorenorth.com, keyword climb. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, former Super Bowl left guard, Alex Boone. And I just, Alex, I can't get enough of hearing you talk about playing in the Super Bowl because I just cannot imagine it. No matter how many that I've watched, no matter how many NFL players I've been around and seen big games and pressure situations, I have not been there covering a team that made any type of championship. When I was in Buffalo, of course I did not cover (laughs) a team that made any type of championship. I feel terrible they're close. Well, you know that's life for you. Uh, but uh, the uh, the closest that I ever got was the Minneapolis Miracle, and the emotions inside of that locker room I'll never forget. And I imagine that being on the field and getting ready and everything else for a Super Bowl just ramps up the emotions. And I guess I, I, I you talked the other day about you know what the Super Bowl week was like, but I wonder what it's like to walk out of the tunnel onto the field for warm-ups, like the first time to look around in a stadium you've probably been in before. Yeah. Um, but how different is that feeling when you do that? I mean, it, the stadium looks so different. I mean, to not see the the standard Saints colors everywhere and the Florida Lee everywhere, like it just was so different. And then you look around and it's just mega celebrity after mega celebrity, and you know you're standing next to Beyonce while you're taking a drink of water, <laughs> and she's looking at you like, "What does this one do?" God, he is ugly. And I was like, "Oh my God, just go, just go." It's so hard to keep your focus. It's so hard. I to put on this there. weight on purpose, Beyonce. I know. Like you're like people are looking at you like, "What is what?" What, what do they do? What do the big ones do? And you're like, oh, man. <laughs> a great question. Most it's football true. fans don't know. Well, they don't. But, you know, you talk about having to keep your composure through that. It's so hard. And then people are asking you questions, and then you go back into the locker room, and the emotions are just so high. And, you know, you're, you're constantly telling yourself, calm down. It's just another game. It's just another game. And I remember one of my most vivid memories of that game was the first play was 97 counter. And I remember going to hit uh, T-Sizzle. And as I pulled... They didn't do what we thought they were going to do. And instantly I like stuttered my feet because I was like, oh, my God, what's he doing? And I remember uh, that, that instant glitch, for whatever reason, caused a loss of down. And I was like, oh, my God. It was t- I felt terrible, but it was like you were instantly so much more compacted to be like, what's going on right now? Like this isn't what I thought they were doing. And normally like I wouldn't have been like that. Normally I would have just mm-hmm. been like, all right, well, he's up the field. But I was like so dialed in because it was the Super Bowl, and it was like this is exactly what they're going to do. They've shown it for 16-plus games. And then they went out and did something completely different. It was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know what to do. You're like you're like malfunctioning inside. You're like this is not supposed to be happening. There's people watching. Like for the first time ever, you can really say that you feel the crowd. You see them around you. Like I can tell you that in normal games, I never felt the crowd. Yeah. I never I never felt the noise unless you're in Seattle or like Kansas City. I never felt like the fans were ever um, a distraction. But that game, you're like, man, this is 
This is more than a game. This is like a weird event. And then half times longer, and you're sitting there, and you're starting to think even more. And that was like, for me, that's just deadly. Because I'm in my own mind like, well, what if they go back to doing what they did in the rest of the season? Right, and, right. You know, like, that's how I just play with myself at halftime. And then I'll, I was talking to the coaches, and then they start panicking. And then next, you know, Harbaugh's like, we need to go outside. Like, we're thinking too much. we got to go. And you're like, dude, this is... This is the Super Bowl, man. It's the Catalina wine mixer. Yeah. This is it. This is it. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I I think about, you know, the, the lead up to the NFC Championship game and sort of how that felt in the tension going out there. Now, something that somebody said, and I don't remember who it was, and I'm sorry that I don't, that losing in the NFC Championship game was harder than losing in the Super Bowl, which I'm sure maybe you might disagree with, but... The fact that you got to be there, you, that you got to go through that, an experience that only a handful of human beings have ever had, to get on the field, to be in the Super Bowl, um, I'm sure that it still crushes you to have not won that Super Bowl, but to have actually reached it. Is that how you like reflect on it? Do you yeah. kind of look back and say, you know what, I, I, I can't call the plays at the end zone, but man, I was in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, the the only shredded dignity you have left is like, man, not only did I get to play the Super Bowl, I got to play Ray Lewis in his last game. Like yeah. that, you know, there's so many, because people never understood, I wasn't just a player, I was a fan, dude. I was the fan that got to go across the other side and like got to sit in the rooms with the guys and got to talk to them. And, and like my wife used to get so mad because I used to love extra meetings and she'd be like, why do you love extra, like you love <laughs> going in, because I love being around the guys. I just love talking to these guys. I mean, these guys are so special to so many other guys that you you get to sit in this room and like make them laugh. Like that is the coolest thing to me. And then you talk about getting to play in the Super Bowl, like the one thing you've wanted to do your entire life. Every kid has dreamed of either playing in the World Series or the Super Bowl. And I got to do that. And you're like, man, I didn't get to call the plays at the end of the game. And believe me, had I, we would have not been throwing the ball. But we got to experience something that not a lot of people, because I think about guys that never even got into the playoffs. And you're like, dude, that, that sucks. That guy played forever. He deserved a ring. How many guys can we think of off the top of our head? Like, man, that guy really deserved a ring. Never yeah, got one. Yep. You know, and just, just to be like, dude, I played in that game and I was a, a benefactor and it was, you know, the lights went out, like all the crazy things that happened. You're like, dude, those are memories that you'll never forget. And, you know, I still have the helmet from that game. And it's, you know, there's one of those things where you're like on the sideline showing the guys, like, do you see that scratch? I think Ray gave me that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got that one from Suggs. Yeah. Suggs gave me that one for sure. I don't know. It's behind the head. It's probably Haloti. Haloti was pissed at me. <laughs> but, you know, you know, those are things that, like, I look at it every now and then and I'm like, dude, how awesome was that? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a dad of four now and I'm total, like, carpool lane guy and all that, like, nonsense. <laughs> But, dude, there was a time where we were spitting dip on the field like, bro, it's on. It's game time right now. You want to do this? Let's do it. And I remember, do you know another thing I remember so vividly? And this was another thing, was how big Haloti really was. Like, I saw him leading up to the week, right? And I've seen Haloti before, and I've played him before. But for whatever reason, that game, he just looked so much bigger to me. Like, I was like, dude, did you gain, like, 30 pounds? What the hell happened to you? And I remember the first time he rushed me, I was all by myself. I didn't have the slide. And I remember thinking, God, did his feet get faster? Like, everything ramps up in your mind. Yeah. And it's just playing tricks on you. And it's just like, because it knows, dude, this is the most important time of your life. This is everything you've worked for. Now i got to play a little trick on you. And I remember he hit me with, like, a little shake. And I was like, seriously, did he get faster overnight? <laughs> what just happened? And I remember he gave me a little pressure. And I was like, that's when I was like, I'm done. This is it. I don't care if this is the Super Bowl. It's time to play football. And that's when you start to calm down, when you're like, mm -hmm. you know what, dude? i got to let all this go. i got to just remember this is just a game. And I think that, it, unfortunately for us, 
it took the whole team too long to realize that. And we were just kind of behind the whole game, and we never really caught up. Well, you know, I think that that's one of the reasons that we talk about defense winning championships is offenses when they're really tight and really anxious and not just loose going out there and playing. You know, I think you can get them flustered pretty fast if you're a good defense, if you get a sack, or if, you know, let's say Jared Goff goes out there and sees something he's never seen before because that's Bill Belichick and he's going to mess with your mind. And all of a sudden, Bill Belichick has decided, oh, wait, you guys don't really have Todd Gurley, so forget your play actions. We're <laughs> not following you on those things, which, um, just a side note, really stunned that more teams didn't take that model against, you know, the play action teams and the Shanahan offense teams but uh you know i mean we saw that in that super bowl where it seemed like jared goff got anxious pretty early and the whole offense did and they didn't execute the way that they were supposed to and throws were missed that usually are made because you know, a it was the throw in the kitchen sink at jared goff but also b they didn't start out fast and then it seemed like the defense was able to settle in and of course brady is going to be patient. If things aren't going well for him on offense, he's right. not going to freak out, and he makes that big throw to Gronk last year that ultimately wins them that game. So it was kind of like, which one of you is going to blink first? And it was you know the Los Angeles Rams. So I'm interested, very, very interested, in Patrick Mahomes here because he is one of the coolest and calmest guys. I remember Brett Favre in the Super Bowl overthrew the first three passes like into the stands because Favre would get so anxious and, and so ramped up and 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 he would have trouble at the beginning of games. But Mahomes doesn't seem like he's that type of guy to me. And I was listening to Trey Wayne, uh, not Trey Waynes, uh, that's a player on the Vikings, <laughs> Trey Wingo this morning, TW, same thing, um, and they were interviewing uh, Dan Marino, and he talked about making the Super Bowl in his second year and then never getting back. But he felt like after he made the Super Bowl so early in his career that it sort of took the pressure off because everyone knew he could do it. Even though they didn't win that game, everyone who ever played for the Miami Dolphins after that was like, well, the guy made a Super Bowl in his second year. We know (laughs) that he can get to the Super Bowl. We know he's good enough. So I wonder which way this goes with Patrick Mahomes. It's like one of my favorite things to think about is like what his career is going to be. How he's going to change as a quarterback from somebody who runs around a lot and makes crazy plays. Like, is he going to maintain? that when he gets paid are they going to be the same or are you going to see them kind of struggle to ever build a team this good again I, I mean I don't have the answers but I love thinking about what Patrick Mahomes' future will be after reaching the Super Bowl in his second year I mean number one if you're going to pay him you better do it now because the price only goes up when you're paying the highest paid player in the NFL it's going to go up every year so if you're going to do it the earlier the better I know that Clark Hunt was like, listen, we'll do it when the time is right, dude. The time is right, right now. Yeah, I would go ahead and do that right now. It ain't getting any more uh, cheaper. You know what I'm saying? In fact, maybe before the Super Bowl, just in case. Listen, hey, Pat, why don't you just put your your John Hancock on that real quick? (laughs) I mean, Uh, Yeah, just sign this. It's nothing. No big deal. No, it just makes you the highest paid. Right now, not in six months when it's going to be another $100 million. It's just that's what they want to do. But his legacy is be so much because, like you said, when you make the Super Bowl so young, that's such a great point that Dan made because looking back as a player, you know, I think about all the guys that were on the, their rookies that year we went to the Super Bowl, and I remember everyone kept saying to them, like, listen, this, this isn't how it is. This isn't how right, it is right. all the time. This might never happen for you again. This probably will never happen again was the exact words I heard from a lot of very great people that were like, just 
enjoy this moment, okay? Because us getting here again is probably not going to happen because that's just not how the league works, right? Like they want to keep everybody competitive. So all of a sudden, if you're playing late, you got to draft late and then you got to start later and everything just, you know, they want to keep these teams competitive. So that's a great point that he made. I think with Pat, though, the fact that he can do so many crazy things, like contort his body in ways and, and look to the right and throw to the left and, you know, that's so dazzling now, and I feel like he hasn't even really been matured that much in this league. Like, he has so much more to learn and to grow and to do. Now, eventually, there's going to be a time where they're going to be like, hey, man, we need to keep you more mobile. Like, you're gonna, you can't be running around forever. And while you can, it makes it so much harder for defenses because you can't cover receivers for 15 seconds. Right. It's hard to follow Tyreek Hill for 20 seconds, dude. Like, who can do that? Nobody can. And then the fact that he can put the ball exactly where he wants to be while he's looking to the left, but you're on the right, like that is incredible you're absolutely the mvp the problem i have is the minute he starts to slip people are gonna be like uh-oh what's going on yep 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 whoa you know what i'm saying or if he doesn't win this one i mean we saw that even with like peyton manning when he didn't win right away and had some struggles in the playoffs and it was whoa is this guy a choker because we love nothing more in sports than to call people chokers and ignore everything else that happened (laughs) so true but it's not only that but people are like man we want to be excited and this kid is in dazzling right yeah. now incredible yep. and, and i really do think that as long as him and andy Reid are together and they have at least one or two weapons at receiver dude they could they could conquer the league for as long as they want to just because andy Reid's vision of this offense and his ability to get players open and not only that but you pair that with patrick mahomes ability to scramble and to run around and to make plays off of second plays and you know <laughs> That is forever going to be dangerous. Those two together could be dangerous for a long time. I also feel like there's value in knowing exactly what you want and need to succeed. So they go out with uncertainty about Tyreek Hill, and they draft the other guy who's insanely fast. And and they get Sammy Watkins, who is... Wait for it, insanely fast. <laughs> like they just, you know, you, you know, they got their, they have their perfect types of weapons. They got the tight end who is one of the best in the league. It could do absolutely anything, and and just the guys who fit so perfectly with Patrick Mahomes and with their offense. And this isn't an offense where you need a highly paid running back. So even when Kareem Hunt has his issue and they let him go. People freak out, but they knew that Damian Williams would be fine. Right. And that, that with this offense, it's mostly teams are forced to pay attention to Mahomes so much that you can run for five yards a carry just by being the guy who they hand the ball to. Right? right? Uh, They're going to be in a nickel defense the whole game. Right. If you are generally fast and have some vision and skill, you'll probably get four and a half to five yards a carry playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. And you know Andy Reid is going to dial up screens where you're wide open and can run after the catch. And and so for from that way, I totally agree with you that it seems like even when they pay him, this is going to be a sustainable model. But then think about all the great quarterbacks that we saw over the last 20 years because now these guys are getting to the end of their careers and they're making people like you and I feel old somehow. But like Philip Rivers and, and Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning, everyone not named Tom Brady. Think about how many shots they got at it. I mean, Roethlisberger got, what, three shots at it. He won twice. And he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever step on a field and he got three shots at it in like 15, 16, 17 years. Peyton Manning got two shots at it and one of them he couldn't even 
even throw a football anymore. Yeah. And and they find a way to win, and, and he doesn't have to apologize for that. But, I mean, it, it is remarkable how difficult it is, even if you are the greatest players. Drew Brees gets there once. Look at that guy's career. He's the all-time passing leader in everything. And he got there exactly one time. And in a way, I look at this with Mahomes and say, well, like you said, let's appreciate it because you really, really don't ever know. And I also circle back a little bit to the Vikings and go, oh, man, you missed your shot. In 2017, you really yeah. did. That was, your, that was your chance because you just don't get too many of those. You don't because, you know, to get to the Super Bowl, you need the entire team. You need, I mean, you know, the one thing I think that people really are overlooking, and I think I'm getting a lot of questions like, what are people not talking about? Dude, both of these special teams are incredible. Have you seen what these punt returners and kick returners can do? And not only that, but these kickers on both these teams have been red hot for the last, like, three months. Like, they, everything about these teams is hot right now. At, you know, the, you look at Kansas City, and they used to rely so much more on Patrick Mahomes. Like, they were winning games 51-49. to 49. Now they bring in Spagnola, and they're kind of like, all right, well, we kind of found our footing. So now we don't need Pat as much, but we still need you, Pat. And then you look on the other side, and you look at San Francisco, and statistically, they're, like, first in everything. Like, their offense is first, their defense is first. And you're like, dude, this is going to be electric. Like, this is what it's all about. And, that, and that's going to be so fun to, on, on both sides. And, and then going forward, when you say, when you talk about Patrick's legacy, like, I'm wondering, though, when you talk about these guys only getting there once, like, at what point would it be that people might say he's regressed? Like, if he doesn't get to the Super Bowl and how many, like, say hmm, he, Yeah, it's he, a great question. You know, like, people, I think people are bringing that to notice sooner, too. Like, man... Maybe he's not as good as we thought. He was in that Super Bowl. Like, I'll give you the best example, and it's going on right now. Eli Manning won two yeah. Super Bowls. And people are like, does he belong in the Hall of Fame? Does he? I mean, I know he won the Super Bowls, two of them, and was the MVP twice, but I don't know. Does he belong in the Hall of Fame? Like, I feel like people now are more, hey, what have you done for me lately? Yep. What has yep. You know what I'm saying? And so if he does have a Marino effect where he goes this year and then doesn't go again, like eventually how long are people going to be like, hey, we're, we're looking at a regression here. This kid's not getting <laughs> any better. You know, I feel like the critics are getting tougher all around, and it's just making it harder for athletes to keep rising to the occasion. Well, yeah, and I think that the popularity of the NFL – is so outrageously high that even to stand out with opinions and analysis, it often feels like you have to just turn it up to 11. And if you don't, then it'll just get lost in the noise. Your point about Eli is a great one. And just how we think about things uh, as in like what was the most recent is, is, is a really interesting point because with Eli Manning, from 2005 to 2012, he won 77 games, which was the fourth most in the NFL. And the guys ahead of him were like Breeze and Rodgers and, you know, like the big the, name guys. The, the, the Roethlisberger, the, the absolute best of the best. <laughs> right. He's got two Super Bowls. He has, at that time, three Pro Bowls. I mean, he, he's just one of the great quarterbacks in the game from 2005 to 2012. 77 and 51. Like, that is a lot of winning. And that also, is. there are numbers that go beyond, like, your quarterback rating that would show you that situationally the guy was great. Like, it shouldn't have been a huge surprise that he came up with the throws that he came up with in the biggest games. After 2013, he went 39-60, and 60, and their team was bad, and his numbers were bad, and, you know, he had a year or two where he was okay mixed in there, but... Really, the team corroded around him. His skill set started to fade. And when you're already just barely clicking a little bit um, with 
your athleticism, like you got a little, but not much, and then you lose some of that, and you're like at negative athleticism. Right. I think it becomes hard to make up for things around you. So your question about Patrick Mahomes, if he went three straight years without going back to the Super Bowl. I think people start to say, well, you know, uh, yeah, maybe he's just a bunch of empty statistics. I don't know. He's fun to watch, but he can't just get over it. And it's really not a fair way to look at it because of uh, Brady kind of did that to everybody, right? I mean, it's sort of Brady's fault where he just went back to the Super Bowl year in and year out. But you know what often happens? This is even like the case with Matt Ryan and Eli Manning. When you go to the Super Bowl, win or lose, everybody gets paid. And then it screws up your cap, and guys are too old, and you yep. can't move on from them. And yep. I think you saw this in San Francisco a little bit too, where you just you you keep players, and then the expectations are are Super Bowl high, but it's hard to meet them again. So people get fired, and then everything sort of crumbles apart. The, the fact that New England has been able to stay where they are, I think, says a lot about just Belichick and how savage he is about everything. It's like, oh, no, we're cutting you. We don't care. We're just going to refresh the roster all the time, and that's helped them get back. But that's a huge part of it is the, the, the context and the things that usually happen after you go. So I'll be fascinated how Kansas City handles all of this after they have now gone to the Super Bowl. I mean... Number one, you're going to have to pay Pat. I mean, there's no question. Oh, yeah, you're paying Pat. You're going to pay him. And then you start to, like you said, everybody gets overpaid because you're in a happy place. Like Everybody's like, hey, this is the team that did it. We can do it again next year. Let's keep everybody here. And, you know, in Frisco, we had a little bit of that. And then all of a sudden it became, well, we're just going to let go of certain guys. And it was like some of the core guys. And we were like, whoa. We needed that guy. That guy was really important. And then, you know, yeah. coaches tried to be too innovative, and you're like, all right, now we're getting past the point of delusion. Like, I'm not sure what we're doing with this week's game plan, but we're somewhere in there. But you talk about guys like Belichick. He's a savage because he could find players to come in and play a certain role. And he's like, listen, I don't need you to be Tom Brady. I need you to be whoever the hell you are. Just don't do too much. Sit in this role, play this role very well, and I will take care of you. We will all get rings, and we'll all have lots of fun. And he doesn't get players that resist him, and he doesn't get players that are there to just say, hey, man, I'm here to pat my stats. He's like, no, no, no. We're here to pat my stats because I'm going to help us win. His defensive has have been amazing for how many years? I mean, with guys that you're like, wait, who is that? Who that? I've never heard. Like, There's been times in their old line I'm like, who is that guy? I've never heard of that player. And then all of a sudden, one week he's playing right guard, the next week he's the center. And then all of a sudden he's the left tackle, and you're like, wait a minute. Can you do that? Can you just move the center to left tackle week 12 because you wanted to? Like, is that like Dante Skarnecki and what he can do along with Bill Belichick, along with Tom McDaniels, I mean, Josh McDaniels, I mean, it's just incredible that they've kept it for so long because how many people have tried to do exactly what they're doing and have failed miserably and have been like, well, Bill did it. How come it didn't work for us? It's because you're not Bill. You're not calling the defenses that he's calling. You're not disciplining the team the way he disciplines the team. You're not running your team the way he's – I mean, I heard those guys had to run gassers every single day after practice. They were like, dude, it sucks. But let me tell you what, in the fourth quarter, you feel great. I'm like, Hmm. I'm sure you do. That's incredible. And they're like, dude, not one person complains. Not one. Like, everybody there is either all in or Bill lets you know you're all out. Sorry, bro. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear uh, players who have played for them talk about how it's just very, very different from any other experience, and it's definitely not for everybody. So, uh, Alex, before we wrap up, I want to hear who you think will win this super thing. Who wins the super thing? Who do you think? I'm going with my team, San Fran, dude. All right. Give me. I have, uh, to. 
I, I'm, I wrote in on this. reason why. Okay, number one, because I think the defensive line has played these quarterbacks before where all they have to do is contain them in the pocket and just slowly collapse it, and I think they're going to be amazing at that. You look at Richard Sherman, what he's doing on the back end. I mean, he's promoted this secondary. And then, you know, one of the things I always look at is the tight end matchup with the linebackers. And who's a better linebacker core right now than San Francisco? I mean, you talk about getting Quan Alexander back, Fred Warner, the most underrated, Drake Greenlaw, the whole reason they have the number one spot. And then you look at their offense and you say, hey, listen, Nobody's really stopped their run game yet. Can can Kansas City really stop it? Because Chris Jones is good, and I get that. He's really, really good. But he's only one guy. And I don't think that he's enough in the middle to stop this run game. I think they kind of go after him a little bit. And then not only that, who's going to cover Kittle? I mean, they don't really have the best linebacking core. I know Anthony Hitchens is good, but I'm not saying he's one of these guys that's going to be able to stop Kittle down the middle. Right, yeah. Uh, I, well, I'll probably... Uh... Give my prediction because you have to because it's sports talk radio tomorrow. But I tend to lean toward the goat quarterbacks, and I think Mahomes is one of those. And uh, you know, Marino lost his Super Bowl, but he lost it to Joe Montana. So uh, no shame in that, and no shame in that at all. So all right, uh, Alex, awesome stuff. Really enjoyed getting your Super Bowl memories and stuff. You are one of the few humans on the planet to have had that experience. So it was it was great to hear about. And you and I will. Connect next week. We get into free agent season after Can't that. Wait. I'm excited. All Can't right. Uh, Alex Boone there, Matthew Collar. If you missed any of the show, make sure you go back and get it wherever you get all of your podcasts, whether it's the little purple app on your iPhone or Spotify or wherever. We got them there. Or even a PC. Go to scorenorth.com. So, all right. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. We will catch you tomorrow on Purple Daily. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.